I'm Tanner Scott, and you are listening to E-Commerce Secrets to Scale. If you want to scale your e-commerce business, you've come to the right place because this podcast is all about hearing stories and strategies from successful entrepreneurs and e-commerce professionals to uncover scaling secrets that will have a huge impact on your online store. This week on the show, Benjamin Davis, CEO of Trinell, joins me to talk about how small to medium-sized e-commerce brands can increase their competitiveness with e-commerce giants like Amazon. Although it's pretty much impossible to keep up with Amazon's rate of innovation, there are definitely some things that you can be doing today to keep up with consumer expectations that have been shaped by Amazon. Welcome to the show, Ben. Really excited to have you. Tell us who you are and what you do. Hey, Tanner. Thank, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Benjamin Davis. Um, I'm the founder and, and CEO of TryNow. And TryNow is a, it's a platform that powers try-before-you-buy programs for e-commerce brands. So how did you get started in that, Ben? What's your story? Yeah, so I was in, um, I started my career in, in finance, investment banking, private equity, and then had the opportunity to work uh, for someone who was starting an apparel business. And uh, she developed some incredibly soft fabric and figured, well, if we can just get this into more shoppers' homes, um, they're, they're going to love the product. They're going to keep it. Um, but what's, what's the friction point? Well, uh, we ran some tests and we noticed the friction point was that they had to pay up front. Um, so we wanted to offer a try-before-you-buy program to reduce that friction increase conversion rates, get our products into more homes um, to drive sales and drive LTV. And the challenge is that fraud, working capital, skew reconciliation, returns integration and management, it was all just very complex. Um, so that was the genesis for Try Now. I built it for my own need, realized a lot of other brands needed it. Um, and we've been on, uh, you know, we've been on this journey for about uh, over three years now. That's awesome, man. So, you know, well, obviously you built it for yourself, right? Did you run into any obstacles with early adoption when you try to turn around and sell it as a service or a product? Yeah, well, I'd say that the, I mean, we, we certainly run into obstacles. I think the, the one obstacle that we didn't run into was, um, was, was sort of demand. I think that the genesis for trying now really was for my, myself and, other brands started asking for it. Um, and so there was just a tremendous amount of demand, got the business moving very, very quickly. Um, and, uh, and then, and then COVID hits and COVID hit, COVID presented, um, uh, many opportunities for us, also many challenges. Um, so I think like, like any, like any organization, like any company, we, we hit a bunch of obstacles. I mean, I think in the, at the start of COVID, we had fundraising deals that, that fell through at the start when things were uncertain. Um, we had platform dependencies that created a lot of challenges. I think ultimately, you know, grit um, is sort of the force that allowed us to to power through all of those obstacles. And um, I'm not sure, Tanner, if you're familiar with Angela Duckworth, but I love her definition of grit, which is uh, that passion and perseverance for a long-term goal. And 
you know, long-term vision is ultimately what enables us to kind of maintain enthusiasm and optimism throughout all of those challenges. And, you know, now we're in a great position to be working with, you know, close to a hundred merchants to drive uh, really powerful programs for them. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, you really need that North star, um, something that you never take your attention and focus off because that's really what's going to keep you going through the tough times. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. So today we're talking about how e-commerce brands can keep up with the e-commerce giants. Uh, first of all, is that even possible, Ben? Certainly. And I, and Tanner, when you say giants, uh, is that a plural or is it largely largely single singular uh, as in Amazon? Uh, I mean, it, let's be honest, it's mostly Amazon, but there's <laughs> some other big players too. Yeah, yeah. So... What are the what are the biggest obstacles standing in the way of e-commerce brands today? Uh, we'll just talk about Amazon for the sake of conversation. What what are the biggest obstacles that e-commerce brands face when trying to compete with Amazon? Yeah, well, I think um, as a the biggest the biggest thing is that Amazon just reshapes consumer expectations and it forces brands to adapt very very quickly. And so, like, is it possible to keep up with Amazon? Well, certainly not possible to keep up with Amazon in their rate of development right. um, in pushing the consumer expectation forward. However, it is possible to keep pace with that because there's a bunch of providers that help you do that. Um, and there's also, you know, areas to focus on that Amazon will never be as good at as you, which is brand and product. So I think I think about it as sort of like two dimensions. I think the first dimension is that you can't, be actively non-competitive with Amazon, right? You need to maintain feature parity to some extent with Amazon. So Amazon resets consumer expectations. They're going to continue to do so and will never outcompete on the dimensions of convenience, shipping speed, breadth of selection, and, and some other things that are core to their platform. Um, but brands can ensure that they maintain some form you know, feature parity. And so a few examples of that would be uh, free shipping or some iteration of free shipping with a threshold, free returns, um, easy returns, reviews, uh, try before you buy. These are all elements of the Amazon platform that are focused, that, that, ha that have become kind of expected in, 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 uh, by, by shoppers. So just out of curiosity, Ben, have you noticed any shift in, you know, your your smaller e-commerce storefront, you know, being able to financially afford to offer free shipping as an option to their customers? We have not. Um, we tend to work with brands that do 10 million and above in revenue, and they've been offering free shipping for a long time. And and their shoppers expect it, um, and uh, and so we, what we've definitely seen is you know in, in this inflationary period rise in input costs and therefore a rise in prices. Um, and so what our brands tend to think think through and how they think about the unit economic is pretty holistically. So if they offer free shipping and margins are tighter. Well, they can either decide to now charge for shipping, they can increase their threshold. So they increase the number of shipping dollars, they shipping revenue they collect from, from shoppers. Um, 
or they can raise prices by a couple bucks per unit. Um, so there's you know a handful of levers um, to, um, uh, to to bring to, to to offset you know the the rise in, in shipping costs and the rise in, in input costs. Yeah, I mean ultimately merchants have to kind of decide if they want to capture that cost by increasing their prices or by charging shipping right. And you know I think based on who your target audience is, that might change, you know, what might be the better option for that. Um, personally, in smaller brands, I've noticed a trend. Uh, I've seen a lot of just calculated rates being charged on top of orders to keep that initial price down. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see that with the the big players. So, so let's talk about shipping a little bit. Um, obviously yeah. this is a major differentiator when you're comparing a, a boutique online store or even a big size online store with a behemoth like Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Is there anything e-commerce brands can do to compete on shipping or is it always just going to be a, a major difference? I think that a brand will never have a leg up on shipping relative to Amazon. Um, right, that building their own their own fleet of of of, uh, of trucks that allows them to get product to their shoppers ASAP. In some cases, same day. In other cases, two days. Um, and so I think uh, I think attempting to to uh, stay completely competitive with Amazon is going to be a losing battle there. However, there are some things that you you can certainly offer, which is free shipping. And so I think, you know, ultimately you're, are you going to be able to deliver on same day and two day for all shoppers? Probably not. Maybe for some shoppers. Um, but, uh, but penalizing a shopper by paying for shipping and it being slower than Amazon, I think makes you, uh, you become uncompetitive um, and competitively disadvantaged. So I do think it's important to kind of, to think about, um, what's the tolerance of what's the, what's that tolerance between you know be, between your shipping thresholds and and Amazon's just to ensure that you can't compete um, because consumer expectations are constantly constantly reshaping um, at at the hands of of Amazon. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with that, but you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. Um, what do other e-commerce brands have a leg up on Amazon with? You know, what is something that Amazon can't touch? Yeah. And that's, I think, the place where you get alpha, where you really can grow. And that's brand and product. Like Amazon will never outcompete you on brand and product. And so it's about making sure that you're not, you have some feature parity with Amazon on the things that customers expect, but you spend time focusing on a world-class product and and uh, building a world class brand. I think there's there's a great saying around marketing a product, which is basically build a product that is so exceptional that a terrible brand mark brand and marketer can sell, and market your brand so exceptionally that it can sell a terrible product. If you do both of those things, you will win, right? That's just how markets work. Execution of those things, building a world class brand, world class product, that's really hard. Um, but when it's really hard and you do it really well. And, it's a, it's a big competitive differentiator. Right, right. I mean, there's a big difference uh, between just selling a product with a name rather than building a brand, right? 
And, and that's the thing, you know, if you're in the e-commerce business and you're selling the same exact products as what someone can get on Amazon, you don't have a brand. Right. And I don't know if you're aware of the, that liquid death brand, the, the edgy water can brand. I just, I was at a concert last weekend and I, uh, I, I had one. That's what they were selling. Yeah, I mean, every live event, you're going to see those things, but they just reached a $300 million valuation for selling water in an aluminum can just because of their brand. Yeah, it, 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 uh, I guess it feels cool to drink, drink water out of a can, but I mean, they built <laughs> the copy, the copy on that, on that, uh, on that can is exceptional. I think I was looking at it and it said, murder your thirst. Yeah. Right? And so like everything, everything is this brand touch point and I'm not much of a of a water connoisseur, but I will say it did taste clean and crisp. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show, you know, the power of a brand. And it's it's crazy how often you really feel the need to explain that to people. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. So, Ben, what would you say your secrets of scale are? I would say let's revisit that Tanner in, in five years when we're really at the scale that, that, that we hope to, but here's, but here's what I think will become our secret to scale, um, which is customer devotion. Um, and, you know, I think I'll, I'll, I'll share a personal story around that that has stuck with me um, for, for really my, my entire life. Um, my, my grandpa was, was an entrepreneur. He was um, he sold spark plugs um, uh, back when spark plugs were used for cars and he had an auto parts store in, in New York and he had a loyal customer that came into his shop and asked for a specific type of spark plug um, and he didn't have any of those in stock um, so he went back to the parking lot went to his car popped open the hood took the spark plug from his car out of his car and gave it to his, his customer for free. And I think that that story just encapsulated customer devotion, customer obsession, and just the way that you de delight your, your customers. In our case, our customers are, are merchants. Um, and for our merchants, their customers are shoppers. And I think that's just kind of a universal truth. Something that's very hard to, to truly do in every single touch point. But when you do, um, and you are just completely devoted and completely obsessed on delivering for your customers, and you you'll you'll win. You'll you'll drive yeah you know, you'll drive value and you'll you'll drive growth and build a really enduring sustainable business. So that's that orients all of our thinking at Try Now um, on both the external kind of customer facing side of our business, in addition to the product and engineering side of our business. Yeah, man. I mean, I absolutely agree with that. I think just obsessing with your customer is definitely a very key part of being scalable, right? I mean, it's crazy how so many brands just treat their customers like a number, right? It's It blows my mind. I was actually, this isn't related to e-commerce, but I was actually talking to the owner of a property management company earlier this week and, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're building a website for him. So we asked him, you know, what, how do you differentiate among your competitors? And he's like, 
we're going to answer the phone when people call <laughs> and that's all you have to do in that industry to be successful because they're you know they're, bar is low they're notorious for that right but you just goes to show i mean care about your customers and you know you're going to be successful people are going to be knocking down your door to work with you and you're going to have huge customer retention which is very very important to scaling business Exactly. I mean, the bar is low in that industry. And when you think about the e-commerce industry, it's complete inverse, right? The bar is, could not be any higher. Yeah. It's very, very, very high. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough business to be in. That's for sure. Um, But anyways, Ben, I really want to thank you for taking the time to do this interview with me today. Is there anything that I did not ask you that you think might benefit the audience? Yeah, well, I think maybe the, the last thing I'll, I'll leave you with, which is sort of a prediction on um, on how the market will evolve. And we, we talked a little bit about shipping um, and implicit in shipping is free shipping, um, right? Free shipping and easy returns uh, was started in 2005, essentially, with Amazon Prime. In 2010, um, it became prevalent. It became the status quo. Uh, uh, for 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 shoppers, and then a bunch of D to C brands like Bonobos and others started offering free shipping and easy returns, and they grew tremendously as a result. Today, free shipping and easy returns is is the standard. It's table stakes. It's it's a boring initiative. It's just kind of what most brands do, um, uh, for the most part. And um, we're seeing. But like, if you if you go back to 2010, the brands that offer free shipping and easy returns were considered bold. They were innovative, right? So if we're seeing a very similar trend with what's going on with Prime Try Before You Buy. Amazon had Prime Wardrobe for a couple of years. They expanded the program and rebranded into Prime Try Before You Buy. Rolled it out beyond apparel to footwear, handbags, jewelry, accessories, sunglasses, even knee braces. Um, and now try before you buy is becoming the new uh, expected standard for shopping. And so try before you buy is the new free shipping and easy returns. And right now it's, it's, a, it's an innovative decision and a, and a big strategic shift for a business. But in five years from now, once again, it will become the standard. Um, so that's, I think that's Tanner, what I'd, what I'd love to leave, leave you with and a prediction I'd love to leave, leave you with. I think that's a pretty bold prediction. Wouldn't honestly be surprised if that does become the new norm. I mean, e-commerce brands are kind of just racing to remove as many buyer objections as they possibly can from the buying process, right? So Ben, before you leave, can you explain to us a little bit more how the try it before you buy works, at least from how you guys handle it? Um, How does that work? Like, what's the process? Yeah. Yeah, Tanner, is there is there a brand that you like to shop at? Oh man, I'm really not much of a shopper. I I hate to admit it, but I buy most of my stuff on Amazon. So that's the 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 home of try before you buy. Let's say you're going to Levi's. Uh, you're going into a Levi's store to buy a, buy a pair of jeans, and they've got a bunch of different styles, a bunch of different sizes, and you go into the fitting room with two different sizes two different styles, maybe I throw a t-shirt in there and a button down. And before you go into the fitting room, I say, hey, Tanner, just give me your credit card. I'll charge you for what you're bringing into the fitting room, which is $372.33. 
But if you don't like any of it, you can go to the front, you can get a refund, and it'll hit your statement in about seven business days. You probably wouldn't pay for it to to just to try it on. And obviously, Levi's doesn't operate their brick and mortar store that way. No brick and mortar stores operate that way, but that's how all of online operates. So we exist to flip that so that we bridge the gap between online and brick and mortar. And so if a shopper is on, on an online site, um, they can fill their cart with items to try instead of buy. They'll go through the cart, which will say zero do, do now zero dollars. They can try free at their home for seven days. Um, they'll put in their card, but they won't be charged. We'll front the money to the merchant. So the merchant clicks all of that cash up front. We'll assume fraud and repayment risk. And we'll track that package as it makes its way to the shopper's house. And the shopper has seven days to try the product on once, once it arrives at their house. They keep what they like. They send the rest back. And we only charge the shopper for whatever he or she keeps. Wow. Yeah, I mean, very, very seamless. But... But anyways, thanks again, Ben, for coming on. What's a great way for anyone listening to get in contact with you? Uh, you can send me an email at ben at trynow.io. Awesome, man. Well, we'll be sure to add that up in the show notes and link up to your website. And thanks again, Ben. Yeah, thanks, Tanner. Hope you have a great day. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to another episode of e-commerce secrets to scale. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss another episode. This podcast is sponsored by Ranksy Digital Marketing. If you own an e-commerce business and you're ready to take it to the next level, visit our website at ranksy.com. That's R-A-N-K-S-E-Y.com.